Welcome to the Mobile DJ Business Podcast with Rob Peters. That's right, Rob Peters is back doing a podcast. But this time, it's about bringing in guests and sharing experiences and information to help you create a better DJ business for you, your clients, and your community. Now, here's a guy who likes to wear his sunglasses at night, Rob Peters. I'm talking with a guy who has his hands full at the International DJ Expo next month in Atlantic City. Daryl Jake Jacobson, welcome to the show. Thank you, Rob. Thank you for having me. So last week, Jerry Bazzana and I did the preview episode and we talked about some of the seminars that were going to be going on and your name came up quite a bit. I kind of liken it to how DJs have made their lives more difficult is kind of paralleling. Like, remember in the old days, you used to have to carry crates and crates of records. And then we had crates and crates of CDs. And then suddenly we went to MP3. And because we weren't happy with carrying all of our music on a little uh, hard drive, we started to get into lighting and photo booths and screens. And now we have to carry more stuff than we've ever had to carry. That's kind of how I feel with the, uh, you know, with the stuff I'm doing. The challenge to keep making it cooler and better, you know, it just keeps coming. So we keep making it more difficult on ourselves but in a fun way, we love what we're doing. It still sounds to me like when Mike Walter was looking for his replacement, he picked the right guy for the job because Mike always said, if you want something done, give it to a busy guy. He's a, and he's right about that. He's a, a wise man, Mike Walter. You know, between him and DJ Times, they, you know, they had a few people that they were thinking of. And I think with my success with the game seminar for so many years, I think that's one of the reasons, you know, the game seminar is generally the most, um, you know, well-attended seminar of the entire thing. And they never get any complaints about it. And they know I run it, you know, I mean, it's, if you think about it, the game seminar is a little bit like the, uh, you know, the DJ of the year competition, because I have to have DJs, you know, performing in front of other DJs. You know, that's basically what my seminar is about. But before we talk about Expo, I don't think our community really knows about you. So we like to kind of just get a little background. How'd you get started in the business? Uh, I got in the business uh, in the 80s. I was uh, in college as a radio DJ on WBJBFM 90.5, Jazz and More for the Jersey Shore. And my friend got a job as a mobile DJ for a local DJ company. And I he was making $15 an hour, like in 1985. I'm like, $15 an hour? And what do you do? Well, I go to parties and I play records and I get people to dance. Well, I could do that. I love people. There was no room at his company, so I worked for another DJ company for a few months. And then a uh, little nepotism kicked in. The, the owner of my uh, first and only other DJ company besides my own, uh, his brother was dating my sister and my best friend worked for the company. So it's kind of a natural that I'd kick in there. And I was there for 17 years working for an absolute master entertainer. When I decided to eventually go out on my own, I realized I had to get out into this great big world of DJs. And I went to my first DJ Times conference and holy cow, did it blow my mind. It was 2003. I met a bunch of friends who wound up becoming like my really close friends to this day, guys who I room with when I'm down in AC. And they filled in the blanks because I could perform, but I had no idea how to sell. I had no idea how to run a business. I had no idea how to be successful, especially being full-time. I was in the New Jersey Disc Jockey Association, 
and our president left and then Randy Ray took it over and I was watching it now I was watching our membership dwindle and I was like you know I'll bet I could do something here if only I had the power to do it and you know Randy basically told me well why don't you be president for a while I turned it into network instead of association and uh, it became what I think was the biggest DJ local DJ association in the world. As a local DJ association on a monthly basis, it was nothing for us to have between 60 and 100 people at meeting. And sometimes we'd pop up to like 125 to 150 people. And I did that for uh, four and a half years. I ran the NJDJN. Um, in 2007, <clears throat> uh, I remember that a lot of people weren't really happy with the DJ Times seminar. Or not the DJ Times seminar, just the whole thing. They didn't think it was really that great. Marcello said something that, that made, because everybody was bitching about it. And Marcello said, well, instead of talking about, you know, why it's bad, we should be talking about what we can do to make it better. That really stuck with me. So the next year, I wound up taking over the seminar for games from Randy in 2008. And I got in contact with DJ Times, and they allowed me to have the first uh, NJDJN national meeting at DJ Times. We had so many people at it, they were spilling out into the hall. I mean, we had the room full. And I remember I had Marcello and I had Mike Walter. I had Big Daddy. It was the first time he ever spoke in front of people. I, I started his speaking career and, uh, and Jeffrey Craig Cyber. And they all talked on different things. They each did about 20 minutes and it was a huge hit. And then we came back the next year and I, I think I had a, a group. I had the ADJA. Uh, a name and our NJDJN all giving small seminars. Mike Walter asked me to be a judge at the uh, DJ of the year competition. I was a judge for a couple of years and then I got a call from uh, Brian O'Connor. <laughs> that was a funny thing. And uh, he said, do you know anybody, you know, we, Mike Walter's stepping down. Do you have any idea, you know, perhaps somebody who perhaps could do a good job at being the host of, you know, the DJ of the year competition. I'm like, Brian, are you asking me to take over for Mike? The I don't want to like overstep my bounds. The answer is yes, if you're asking me, but I just want to make sure. He said, yeah, that's exactly what I want. You know? <laughs> over for Mike. Mike Walter, I don't care what anybody says anywhere. Mike Walter is the most well-known mobile DJ in the country amongst mobile DJs. There's absolutely no doubt. He's at the most conferences. He's at conferences around the country. He presents at all of them. He has his books, his DVDs, and all the other cool stuff he does. If you're a DJ in the mobile industry and you don't know Mike Walter, you're just not plugged into the industry. And when I took it over, you know, the, the first thing I said is, you know, I've never seen anybody actually DJ the DJ of the year competition. So can we make this, you know, entertainer? And, uh, you know, they gave into that. And I said, secondly, I said, these plaques that you send out, you know, for the winner, I said, it's kind of lame. Can we get a real trophy? Because I said, that should be like the Academy Awards. It should be like the symbol of the competition. And eventually they came around to that. And I said, yeah, I want real prizes. I want real <laughs> prizes for the winners. I said, I want something worth, fight, you know, being in this competition for. And, and they acquiesced to that. And we were at Haven Nightclub last year. The place was packed. I'm expecting another really big, you know, year this year. Uh, Michael Leverus and I have been working on creating an amazing show. I go back to the days of Kevin Howard. My first DJ Expo experience wasn't as an attendee. I actually worked for Electronic Bargains, which was one of the vendors. So we were working behind the scenes. I mean, I was there when Sean Big Daddy won. I was there when KC won. I was there when Adam White's won.
So it's nice to see that you took a simple idea like nobody's DJed at DJ of the Year and turned it into Entertainer of the Year. And the one thing that I would hear DJs complain about bitterly is that they hated the title that it was called DJ of the Year because DJing you know, was an MC competition. And, but I don't like MC of the Year either. I mean, because there is no law that says you can't DJ in the Entertainer of the Year competition. If, you, if that's your thing, if you want to come in and, and you know, uh, I don't mind. You know, it's an entertainer competition. If you entertain, if that's your entertainment style, you know, and, and we think it just belongs in there, we'll put it in. It's just a matter of, you know, it's entertainer. And, you know, most likely it's going to be an MC challenge, but we're up for entertainment however it happens. Tell us a little bit about some of the categories and what does the average judge, I guess, look for in some well, here's we've got new stuff happening this year um we've added a new category and removed an old one um but okay. generally in the past it's always been uh it's been you know dj slash entertainer of the year runner-up dj slash entertainer of the year uh then you had best new game best dance and best use of choreographed dancers we decided this year to eliminate the best use of choreographed dancers because in the last two years we've only had one of our acts use choreographed dancers and last year, I had an epiphany. Uh, it, ha it happened when I was judging, and I was watching uh, people like uh, Jack Bermeo and Jasmine uh, do their routines. And I remember um, taking them down a little bit because of a, a, a category in judging called efficacy, which I think is a great category. But it's the category that says, you know, can other DJs do this? Can you, know, can you see yourself doing this? Can you see other DJs being able to pull this off? And I realized that, even though I think efficacy is very important in this, at the other side of the spectrum is like, you know, if Jasmine or Jack or, or anyone else is doing something, you know, specifically last year, uh, a guy by the name of Eric Winery did this routine and he incorporated like a fake bride and groom getting married on the beach and then having their reception and he played lead guitar to You Shook Me All Night Long. He actually had a guitar on the stage it was a spectacular presentation, and I think he wound up in sixth. And I was like, you know, all the judges said efficacy, efficacy, efficacy. So, you know, efficacy is only supposed to be 10%. I wanted to do something to fight efficacy, and I came up with this category called the total entertainment value category, which is another 10%. Uh, I took 10% off of the overall grade, which was uh, 40%. Now it's down to 30, and I've added this total entertainment payment value category so that you know it basically means were was I entertained did this person entertain me? whatever they did whether they had fireworks or whatever whatever it is they used glitter jackets lighted stuff um, whatever it was they used was I entertained by what they did and you judge it on that uh, as far as the categories we replaced choreography best use of choreographed dancers with most creative routine so whoever, whether it's a dance or a game, whatever the judges thought was the most creative of all of them, that's what they're going to use. You've got a pretty good panel of finalists. Talk yes. To us about, talk to us about what they can expect. Well, the first thing I'm really happy about is that last year's winner, Artem Lomez, has decided to defend his title. Because I believe that a champion should defend their title. And I think it makes, if he should win or lose, I think winning really just 
you become an upper echelon, you know, if you win twice, it just, it's, you become iconic. If you get beaten, it really adds legitimacy to the person who took you out. So either way, I, you know, I commend Artem for doing this and he's making our competition better. And if we promote the fact that he's in it a little bit more, I think he deserves it. And if he's undone by someone this year, I would hope that they will try to defeat, you know, all comers next year as well and, and, and do what our tendons. So I'm, I'm really thrilled about that. Uh, as far as the, um, the other 11 entertainers, um, to be in the competition, they have to email us a proposal. And this proposal not only has their headshot and their, you know, their information, but it also has a proposal of what it is they intend to do. And if we've never seen them perform at all, we need to have video of them performing either at a private event, uh, performing their proposal, you know, what they're doing. And then we sit and we look at all of these and we pick the 12 best that we like. So these 12 people represent the best of what we saw because not everybody gets into this competition. It's, it's gotten bigger. Mm -hmm. So we picked our final 12 based on what we saw. And uh, I'm really, you know, some of the ideas that they've thrown at us in the proposals, like they're just so smart, so brilliant. And so why didn't I ever think of this, you know, kind of moment that you have, which is why I, I like conferences in general. Uh, I've been saying this about going to any conference, whether it's, you know, coastal or, or regional, you never know when somebody's going to have a great idea that they're willing to share with others. And when somebody shares a great, if I'm not going to have the great idea myself, I want to be there when somebody discusses their great idea. So the entertainer of the year competition is 12 great ideas. And you might not use all of them, but man, I'll tell you something. There are some things over the years from the from this competition that I use to this day that I learned from both the DJ of the year and the entertainer of the year that have just made a difference in my business. So, uh, you know, with that in mind, you know, it's a night, there's alcohol there and, and people are, you know, judging and, and people are partying and dancing and, and being interactive and involved. But there's also an education factor there, too. You know, you're going to see somebody do a game or somebody do a dance and you're going to say to yourself, oh, I never thought about that before. What, a, what an idea. And you're going to have that eureka moment, just like the person who is performing had when they created it. <laughs> so I, I think that that definitely helps because you continue the education. It's almost like the game seminar and what we talked about earlier about how you're adding entertainment value to it. And this time, though, I think the focus on the comp competitive edge. I think definitely helps that a little bit more, but I, I always think it's great when you go, whether it's in the seminar or the Monday night or entertainer of the year and you pick something up and you go back home and you go, okay, this is what happened. And this is what I'm going to do to make it mine. And I'm going to go out and do this. And that's how I'm going to make a difference in my market. And I think with what you're, you've been doing, it has definitely brought us to where we need to be as an industry because it helps set us apart in our marketplaces. So you're doing and it. Just, it justifies your investment in going there in the first place. Exactly. So Jake, the game seminar, I think I equated this last week on my conversation with Jerry Bazzata as it was like an open mic night. Mm, the, the fun thing about it is that an open mic night, people just kind of show up. 
and put their name on a list and then they perform. Whereas I know full well everyone who's performing before I even, you know, before I go down to DJ Times, they've all been vetted. Uh, one thing, this is my 12th year doing this. And one of the things I've learned over the years is that the seminar is really great when you know what's going to happen and who is going, like, you know, the performance um, aspects of the people that are going to be in it. Like having you for the first time last year, one of the things that helped is that I got to see you at, uh, at Mobile Beat. I saw you perform your game seminar there and I said, okay, well, this guy knows what he's doing. I, you know, it's worth having him in my seminar. He knows how to present a game. Uh, that's, and that's the thing. There's so much more to them just playing a game to me, almost as important, if not more important than the game itself is the presentation of said game to present a game properly, to make it interesting for the people playing it is of paramount importance. So I try to fill the game roster with people who I've seen, you know, do games before and do them well. So, um, Last year, we had two new people who had never um, performed before. And I looked at it as even if they were terrible, that would be two out of 11 that were, you know, that were not great. But it turns out the two guys were awesome. I try to juggle this in two ways. One, I want it to be insanely great. I want people to have a lot of fun. The game seminars are really, it's the one time that we can just all have fun like kids. You're playing kid games and adult games and you're just goofing around and you get to run around and smile and enjoy yourself. So I want the entertainment value to really be there. But at the same point, there are DJs out there who've never had the opportunity to perform in front of their peers. That's a really great place for somebody to take their spot and see if they like you know, presenting in front of mobile DJs because we need new blood. We need, there's, for us to imagine that we're the only people who, uh, you know, the people who speak at seminars right now, to, to think we're like the only people who should speak at these would be really obnoxious. Um, it's the new blood that makes things exciting. So uh, the two guys I had last year, uh, Dave and Brad, they were fantastic. Uh, this year I've got a few new guys uh, performing who've never performed before and I'm thrilled to give them the opportunity but if you look down the rest of my roster of people and I'm not gonna I hope nobody holds my feet to the fire because I don't have my list in front of me but I have you I have Micah Levers uh, I know I have Jerry Syracuse I know I have Todd Moffrey uh, I have Artem uh, our last year's entertainer of the year winner is going to perform his game again off the top of my head oh uh, Fox Feltman it's a killer roster of people. And I had this guy, Frederick, is going to be performing for the first time, just off the top of my head. I mean, right there, right off the top of my head, I've given you the, you know, I've given you an amazing group of presenters for games right there. I used to have such a fear that I wouldn't have enough. And now it really is that I have too much, which is why I always ask presenters, play one game, and let me go through everybody. Let me make sure everybody gets the chance to perform once first. And then we can go back and get back to you. And, you know, if there's time, we can come back. So play your best game, whichever one you wanted to play, play that one. And then let us all enjoy it. Let me bring up the next people. Because, you know, I remember a couple of years ago, and this has happened a few times, once I cut my own self out of my own seminar because I overbooked it. 
Uh, <laughs> years ago, I had to cut Fox out, and I felt bad for cutting him out. But you just run out of time. And the important thing is that the presenters have got to realize, I mean, 10 minutes at most uh, on a game, you just, you got to get in, you got to get out. We got more people going. And I've had presenters over the years that just, for whatever reason, have pretty much ignored the stop sign. The one thing that, to your credit with this seminar, is the fact that we use everybody in the room. You can explain a game better if you've played it and you know what the end result is gonna be, and you know how to present it to your audience when you get back home. We've talked a lot about the stuff you have on your plate. You're also in the middle of transition. You just moved from New Jersey to Georgia. How's yeah. that whole transition going for you? Well, I was pretty much a well-known commodity in New Jersey, and I literally dropped into the middle of a, a place where absolutely nobody knows me. And it's kind of funny because, you know, you. I had a certain amount of respect <laughs> in the halls that I was in uh, over and over again and that we were the house DJs in. I would walk in, and, you know, if it was a hall that you rocked all the time, you know, I used to see the, you know, the service staff would high five each other and go, oh man, Jake's here, yeah, you know, they get all excited. And that's a, you know, that always feels really good. Of course. And the banquet manager sees, oh, thank God it's you. Thank God you're here today. You know, and then I tell you some horror story, but you know, now it's like I'm just this anonymous guy and I have no clue what I do, which is in a way is kind of funny because, you know, when I blow them away and they're like, you know, they're so surprised, like, where did you come from? I'm sure that there are probably some differences between DJing in New Jersey and DJing in Georgia. Ready for this? I'm going to tell you the biggest one that, that no, no one believes. The number one difference is... They like country music more in New Jersey. <laughs> I do not. Really? I swear. Wow. Uh, I have been doing parties. When I go back to New Jersey, it seems like country has become like some, it's so big in Jersey now. Uh, I just did a party. I was back in New Jersey a couple weeks ago, and I'd say like two hours of a five-hour event was country music. They were just so into it. The show is the DJ Expo 2019 to find out more, you can go online to thedjexpo.com. We're talking about August 12th through the 15th at Harrods in Atlantic City, New Jersey. Jake, I'm sure you're a busy guy, so I'm going to let you get back to doing your prep. I'm looking forward to seeing you next month at the DJ Expo. And uh, thanks for coming on today. Thanks for having me on, Rob. It was a lot of fun. No problem. The Mobile DJ Business Podcast is brought to you by the Bubble Parties Business Program. Go to bubbleparties.com and download our free special report to learn how you, that's right, you, can make additional revenue doing kids' parties. We're also sponsored by Speed Quizzing Smartphone Trivia. If you do trivia or you're thinking about changing your format around or you're just looking to add something new to your services that you can do in bars and restaurants, check out Speed Quizzing Smartphone Trivia. I'm Rob Peters. We'll see you next week. You've been listening to the Mobile DJ Business Podcast. Give us your ideas for future guests, questions, or topics, or just stay informed about upcoming episodes on our Facebook page, or visit www.mobiledjpodcast.biz. The Mobile DJ Business Podcast is a production of Rob Peters Entertainment, all rights reserved.